good morning again. Uh, I hope you received uh, one of these whenever uh, you came in this morning. It gives you kind of the top three things you need to know. Um, recapping some of what uh, Kelly just communicated to us. And also, we're going to be taking communion here in just a moment. Uh, and so if you did not receive one of these individual packets, you can go get that at this time. Um, also want to say uh, we have a gift for you as you leave today. Uh, and the gift is what is called a field guide for daily prayer. Uh, this comes from Seedbed, and uh, it helps you build in a, a rhythm of morning and evening prayer, which has been a practice in the church for a very long time. Uh, it's pocket sized you can take it with you, and there are also prayers in there for different occasions and throughout history as well. So as you leave today, they'll be on the tables right in the back, uh, not the side doors, but in the back if you would like one of those. That's our gift to you. Uh, also want to celebrate uh, some, uh, we have new members uh, that have joined our church. You'll wanna, uh, you see the names on the screen, they'll appear there. And so, uh, can we just praise God for the people who are calling Fraser home now? It's amazing. Amazing. And uh, also, uh, well, I want to pray as we get started, and we're going to pray for the missionaries and the church in Ukraine. Um, uh, one of the missionaries who was here with us just this past week um, does counseling and is connected to 130 missionaries on the ground in Ukraine right now, and that's just one organization. And so there's a lot going on, and we want to lift them up and pray, and we'll pray for ourselves as we get started. If you have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians chapter 1, um, or if you want to pull that out on your phone, we'll, be, we'll get there in just a moment but let's pray father we thank you we thank you for your presence that's in this place and lord we come uh, as a blessed people uh, lifting up the church your people in ukraine and lord we lift up this whole situation to you we ask that you would move in ways that we cannot would you do the miraculous would you change hearts and minds and Lord, would you bring peace right now to your people that surpasses all understanding. And I pray that some way, somehow, that you would be exponentially glorified through this conflict. And so Lord, would you make yourself known? And Lord, I pray that people would praise you because of how this works out. So Lord, now would you speak to us? Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, again, we're going to get there in just a moment. We have begun a journey uh, toward Easter. Uh, it's called Lent. It's the 40 days uh, leading up to Easter, not counting Sundays, that started this past week with our Ash Wednesday service. And it's a time of fasting. It's a time of preparation. Uh, it's a time for us to prepare our hearts to celebrate on that resurrection Sunday. And as we go throughout the season of Lent, we're going to uh, be talking about, as I said earlier, prayer. Uh, and we're going to be praying and challenging ourselves to pray even more. And I want to, what I want to do is I want us to 
Uh, we're gonna spend most of our time in this series in the book of Ephesians. Now, the book of Ephesians is a very theological book. About half of it is uh, application. Uh, but I want to look in the book of Ephesians. Not only does Paul pray for the church in Ephesus in the letter, but he also models for us, I believe, a mentality that we should have and take into prayer as well. And, and so uh, you may be sitting there saying, okay, Chris, why prayer? <laughs> you know, that, haven't we said enough about prayer or isn't there enough books on prayer, et cetera, et cetera? A lot of times whenever we hear a topic like prayer or worship in, in its kind of general terms, we think that, uh, you know, we kind of have this topic mastered, right? We think, yeah, you know, I kind of understand how prayer works, at least in my life. Uh, and, and the way I pray or don't pray, uh, but can we talk about something a little more exciting? I wanna tell you why we're focusing on prayer. Uh, one is because I believe the Lord is doing something and stirring something in our hearts in relation to prayer and prayer and worship going together and prayer and worship and mission going to, uh, being married together as well. That God is just moving in our church for this. That's one. Number two, we have to remember that prayer, whenever you think about prayer, it is the fundamental activity of a disciple. I did not say it's the fundamental activity of a believer, right? It's one thing to believe that God exists. It's another thing to be a disciple and to follow him, right? Actively follow him, right? But prayer is the fundamental activity, this conversation that we have with the Lord. And here's the thing, when we talk to God, God talks to us. He, he speaks back. Now for some of us, that, I know that just makes you all kind of nervous. I mean like a while ago when Jared was over here doing his like, you know, the, the Holy Spirit music on the keyboard, and, and you were, uh, you know, he's like, just shout out a word. You know, some of you are like, why did I leave the Baptist church? You know, <laughs> I get it, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hear about that one, okay. It meant nothing, anyway. It, when we pray, God speaks, God speaks. And, and sometimes though, we get nervous with that. And sometimes we're not even nervous about the idea of God speaking, we're just not sure what he's gonna say. And, and then we live in this place of, what if God asks something of me that, that I don't wanna do? Or I don't wanna give up? Right? Let, let me just say, uh, you, you need to understand that God has given you everything so he can ask you for anything, right? Everything you have that is good in your life is a gift from God. Therefore, he can ask anything of you. So when we come to prayer, yes, God is moving. This is the fundamental activity of a disciple, someone who is actively following Jesus Christ in their life. But when we pray, God speaks as well and he reveals more and more of himself as well. And one of the things that we, we hear over and over, we even say it sometimes is, you know, I wish I knew more about God. I, you know, I wish there's so much I don't know, there's so much I don't understand. I'm telling you, prayer, not just study, prayer is a place where God reveals himself to us. And so prayer is important. Now, I wanna look at Ephesians chapter one real quick. We're gonna share in Holy Communion so if you have your Bible, Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1. And the first point this morning is simply this. 
uh, as we come to prayer, I want to come to the, I want to start with the topic of adoration. Adoration, and I'll define that in just a moment. And the first point this morning is simply that our adoration is grounded in our identity. Our adoration is grounded in our identity. And here's where I get it. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, this is, we read over this a lot of times. We think, oh, that's just Paul doing his normal greeting. But notice who is identified here. And notice the identities that they have. He says, first of all, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So there's Paul. Then there's the saints who are faithful in the church in Ephesus. So there's Paul, and then there's the saints. And then he identifies God, and he identifies Jesus. But notice how he does it. God, he gives him the title Father. He identifies him as Father, right? And Jesus has the title Lord. God is Father, Jesus is Lord. This is very important for us to understand. We have to know who we are in Christ, what we're called to do, who we're called to be. We have to know what the community is that we are connected to, here the saints, faithful saints in Ephesus. But it is very important that we understand who God is and who Jesus is. God is Father, that is the primary way in which he has identified for us in scripture. This is the way Jesus taught us to pray so that we identify with God as Father first and foremost, above any other thing. When Jesus said, when the disciples said, teach us how to pray, and they said, he said, start our Father. He could have said anything right there, anything. But he started with Father because that's how God wants us to address him. That's how he wants us to relate to him with his Father heart, okay? And then Jesus is Lord. Jesus said after his resurrection, he says, all authority on heaven and, uh, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, not some, not a lot, not a whole bunch of, all of it. He is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now. And the world is realizing it. As his church and kingdom continues to spread, Jesus is ruling and reigning, bringing it to its ultimate end one day whenever he returns. But point number one is that our adoration for God, the praise that we give God, is grounded in, <clears throat> excuse me, our identity. And in, in our identity, who we are in relation to God, but also who God is. God is Father, and Jesus is Lord. He's Christ, he is the Messiah, but he is Lord, ruling and reigning over all. You see, many times what happens when it comes to prayer is that when all of a sudden, when, when our prayer life gets off, when we start getting confused about prayer, what, what is happening, the struggle is really an identity crisis. We've, we've either forgotten who we are in him, or we've forgotten who God is, his primary identity as Father, or we've forgotten who Jesus is, and we pray in Jesus' name to the Father. So whenever we're struggling with prayer, it's really an identity crisis. And we have to understand who we are and whose we are and who God is in relation to us. Point number two 
is this word adoration is simply showing your love, respect, and devotion to. This is what, this is what Paul does immediately in verse 3. He opens up and he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 3, blessed be. Blessed be. That's adoration. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. He says, blessed be God, right off the bat, right here. He is giving adoration, he is praising, he is thanking God for who he is, number one, and then number two, for what he does. And, and he's gonna just continue with this whole thought throughout this first section in chapter one. Blessed be God for who he is. He is Father, Jesus is Lord, and what he does, we'll see that in just a moment. This is very, very important for us, I believe, because we, understanding who God is and who Jesus is is fundamental to life. And the dominant picture that we have in our mind of who God is and who Jesus is is gonna determine how we interact with him. If you see God as a loving father, it's gonna change the way you interact with God. And if you see Jesus as Lord, ruling and reigning over the whole earth, yes, but also over your life, it's gonna change the way you approach him and you worship him and you pray to him. And the thing that we need to see is how God has set this up is that point number three is that every spiritual blessing that we receive from God is found in Christ. Every spiritual blessing from God is found in Christ. This is how God set the thing up. This is how life works. And this is important for us because we live in a day where we love to construct um, our idea of God and kind of make God into our image, right? And we like to define God in certain terms. Most of the time the word love is used, right? And we like to create an image of God that's actually not true. You see, when it comes to, uh, we say things like, well, I think God is like, well, I feel that God is like, or I believe that God is like. But listen, I, don't, I mean no disrespect, but when it comes to defining who God is, I don't care what you think or feel. I'm sorry, I just don't. The question is, how has God revealed himself to us? He is Father, and Jesus is Lord. And we can try to distort that in some way, but then you're not dealing with the same God of the Bible, okay? And the blessings that we have that come to us from the Father come through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. This phrase, in Christ, is mentioned 75 times in the Bible. 75 times. There's not even 75 books in the Bible, okay? This phrase, in Christ, is very, very important and we have to be careful that we do not construct an idea about God that is devoid of the sacrifice and the lordship of his son we have to be very careful in that 
to make sure that we have God as Father and his Father heart and love that comes toward us, but Jesus in his proper place as Lord. And what flows from the Father heart of God and the Lordship of Jesus are five blessings that I want to point out. Pick it up in verse 7. I'm not just skipping over those verses there, verses 4, 5, and 6. I'm coming back to those on Easter. So verse 7, this phrase, in him, in Christ, is very important. So I'm going to read it, and I want you to hear it. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be praise, the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. Do you hear the in him rhythm throughout this? In him you have, in him you have, in him you have received. Five things. Number one is redemption, verse seven, meaning God saved you. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't do it. God saved you. God saved you from living life without him. And not only that, living eternity without him. It, it, God saved you from you. Listen, some of y'all don't even have to worry about Satan. I mean, you, you mess your own life up, right? Yeah, God saves us from us as well. But redemption, God saves us. Number two, verse seven, again, forgiveness. Forgiveness for our trespasses. And by trespass, he didn't just say forgiveness for sin, but our trespass is that we have broken the moral law of God. But in him, in Christ, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are forgiven. Number three, we know God's will. Verse 9. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. We don't walk around in confusion, or we shouldn't. And if there is confusion, it's on our part, not on God's part. Right? You do know there is no confusion in heaven. Like God's not looking at Ukraine right now going, man, man, Russia again messed it up. What am I gonna do now? No, no. And then he reveals his will to us so that we can walk in it and live it out. Number four is inheritance. We have an inheritance that in our life, as we are in him, in Christ, he is working everything out to the counsel of his will, as he puts it in verse 11. And then number five, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we have, the guarantee that is placed on us, and the Holy Spirit is working in us and through us in real time, in tangible ways, pointing us back to the Father heart of God and to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it is the Spirit, he says he is, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The seal is seen when the Spirit is active. And people recognize, that's what a seal does. It, make, it re makes something recognizable, right? You would have a seal, you would put in wax. And when the spirit is active in our life, that's when the seal is made known to other people. And right here, what, what Paul is doing, all of this is adoration. 
All of it is adoration. He's saying, thank you, God. Blessed be God. Look at all that flows from God. He's just talking about God. There are issues going on in the church in Ephesus, but he takes this moment to talk about God and who God is and who Jesus is and what we have in him before he ever gets to the issues that he has to deal with. And they're big issues. There are things going on, but he's not wasting ink here. He's giving his adoration and praise to who God is in this moment. Point number five is this, is that I am engaged in adoration when I am praising God's glory. This is how he ends the whole section in verse 14. After he says all of this about who God is and what we have in Christ. After he says all of that, the very last line is all of this to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. God's glory is when God is on display, right? I say that all the time. And, and Paul says to the, all of this that he is saying is to the praise of his glory. That is adoration. That's why if you go to places like in the Psalms, like Psalm 96, verse three and following, it says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord. You hear that? Ascribe to the Lord. O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Over and over, just repeating this, that's adoration. That's praising God's glory for who he is and what he does. Now where this comes into prayer, is I'm gonna give you some homework. This is gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm gonna give you some homework. I'll never forget the day someone taught me something very important about prayer. Several years ago, and a man said, if most of your prayer life is about sin, sickness, and suffering, Chris, what are you going to talk with God about when you get to heaven? Because there's not going to be any sin, sickness, or suffering in heaven. And one of the things we have to learn to do, I believe, is to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah? So here's the homework. Two-minute challenge. Just two minutes two-minute challenge is to pray but you can't ask God for anything for two minutes just two minutes see if you come to my pastor's prayer meeting on Wednesday nights we do this for ten minutes I'm letting you off easy you're welcome two minutes just pray and ascribe glory to his name don't ask him for anything just thank him and praise him for who he is and what he does in our lives. Here's the thing though, there is a difference between knowing about God, even believing that he exists, and knowing God. And this is the real challenge. The real challenge is to sit there and you think, what do I say? The question is, how do you know God? What do you know about God? 
How has he interacted in your life? How has he intervened in your life? Have you seen God as God my provider, right? And so you praise him and thank him for his provision. But the challenge we have is not do we know some things about God, not do we talk about prayer, right? It's do we really know him? When you do not know God, not know about him, when you do not know God, two minutes of adoration will seem like a lifetime. But the more you get to know him as you are known by him, adoration just flows. So that's my challenge to you. And I think there's no better way to start the week off with adoration than in Holy Communion. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna practice what we're preaching here. And we're gonna thank him for the broken body and the shed blood. And then we're gonna pray and we're gonna go out into the week and live as missionaries. So would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for these amazing men and women who are in this room right now. I thank you for everything that you're doing in their life. Thank you for what you've been bringing them through. I thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And Lord, we know that we have this moment, we have these moments of victory because of your Son and our Savior. And so, Lord, we adore you. We say thank you. You have done for us what we could not do for ourselves. You have blessed so much. You have poured so much out for us. And we say thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. We make much of your name. And forgive us for those moments when we spend our life trying to make much of our names. Because no one compares to you. There is none like you. And you saw fit to send your son to die in our place. And so we remember in this moment, we remember a body that was broken. And as we take this simple bread in our hand, we say thank you.